Big Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Summer Wednesday morning, Eagle fans, you got Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. We got Jenny Mac for the whole show today. No Eagle practice, or at least not uh, allowing the media in, but the media was there yesterday. You were there, John. And I would say that maybe since uh, that ill-fated Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs last February, we probably had a chance to pick up a little more, learn a little more about the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday than any other day since that uh, loss to the Kansas City Chiefs because, number one, they made some important people available that you guys got a chance to talk to and question. And number two, they actually hit a green practice, Johnny Mac. They practiced with a purpose yesterday. Yeah, the pads came on. So uh, first day they were allowed uh, and, and and they did put them on uh, and you find out more. You really do uh, because you play football with pads, you know, yeah. you play it. And uh, so, you know, it's this counterintuitive notion. You, you're you not allowed to prepare with pads for safety reasons. We know all the reasons uh, ad nauseum. But yeah, I mean, this is where you find out who can actually play uh, and, and who maybe it would be a great flag football player, but not necessarily uh, a great professional football player. Um, so it is meaningful and, and you find out a little bit more and then you see some, you know, Sean Desai puts in the big nickel all of a sudden with the pads and, and maybe you start to see some of the, the, uh, the, the thought process is developing on, on where this team wants to go. We kind of know where they're going offensively. I mean, there's not much change. Um, obviously, they had to change coordinators, but Brian was here, um, and it, it, it was a successful offense. So you don't, you know, you don't fix what isn't broken. Uh, you could argue that with the defense as well, but people will argue with you. Um So uh, it it is, you know, it was a big day and it was a more valuable day as far as evaluation. And that's how the coaches will look at it as well. So not only reporters, uh, but real quick, you said the 
the players, uh, this is a, a day off for them as well. So no walkthrough today, um, and they'll get back to work tomorrow. Um, and the first two back-to-back practices, first time uh, Thursday and Friday. So that'll be interesting as well. I imagine they'll have the pads on for at least one of those sessions um, as well. So, um, yeah, it's ramping up, ramping up. Acclimation period over. Done, over and done with. Uh, the the actual practice, the get ready for the season practice. I just conditioning practices started in earnest yesterday. Let's start off the field, but before we go on to the field, uh, Brian Johnson met with you guys before uh, the practice ever got underway. I saw a couple clips from it. You were there. Um, adding new wrinkles. You don't want to say static. You just mentioned yeah, you don't want to break, uh, fix something that isn't broken. The Eagles offense is far from broken. But uh, Brian Johnson does want to put his own stamp on this uh, offense, and he'll su- certainly do so over the course of the year. But out of the gate, what do you think we're going to see out of Brian Johnson that will be at least slightly different than the offense that they ran the last two years with Shane Steichen calling the plays? Um, I, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see much different at all. Maybe a little bit more, um, as we said, getting the receivers in, uh, getting the running backs in the receiving game uh, from a uh, standpoint of throwing a curveball. Uh, Brian mentioned the more points of stress you put on the defense, the better. Um, everybody knows they want to get the ball to AJ and Devontae and um, and we saw it last year a little bit with Zach Pascal. You know, they would nobody would cover Zach because they're like, oh, we, we can't cover Zach. And all of a sudden, he's running by himself for a touchdown. Um, so the more people you can get involved in the stress, and I do think DeAndre Swift uh, uh, brings a a valuable trait in the fact that he can run wheel routes. He can he can take those bubble screens and maybe make something out of them. So I'm not talking about the dump-off game. I'm talking about actual design plays for the running back as a receiver. Um, I think that might be part of the mix with DeAndre. Um, other than that, it's it's about evolving, adding more things. You know, As the quarterback gets more comfortable, and he looks very comfortable, and as he processes very quickly, the one thing you can't do is stand still, as you mentioned. You have to evolve because – and I mentioned this on – our night show football 24 seven last night with, with tone to shields. I mentioned that it's like everybody says it's a copycat league and it is, but I always say it's a very slow moving copycat league. And they often have to get to the off season uh, to do all the studies and all that kind of stuff. So everybody on the Eagles schedule, their top dog in the NFC looking at the Eagles going, how are we stopping this? And they spent their entire offseason trying to slow them down, at least, uh, especially the teams that are relevant in this discussion, the Cowboys, the Giants, the Commanders most notably, but even San Francisco, teams like that. You know, they're focused on on what they did. How can we make it more difficult? So if you're just static, they're going to catch up. But if you keep evolving – and I think that's the good part of where the quarterback is. This is two straight days, Jody, where two straight practices, not two straight days, but when the first team has been out there, the ball barely hits the field. 
I mean, it, 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 I don't think you you can count Jalen Hurts' completions on one hand incomplete on on one hand over over two practices. Um, ball's not hitting the ground, and and that's because he's processing quickly. He's making the, the right decisions. The football's coming out. The football's going to where it's supposed to go. Um, and that's, that's a big positive as well. Um, and part of that is, and you can tell me how good he was because he told me how good he was yesterday is Quez, Quez Watkins is the number three wide receiver. We know AJ Brown is a superstar. We know Devonte Smith is a superstar in the making and Dallas got, it's one of the best tight ends in football. And yes, they're going to have an added emphasis on getting the ball in the passing game to the receivers, specifically uh, DeAndre Swift. I didn't know that Qued Watkins had become elite during this offseason. It's probably not. It's probably not uh, not the word he should have used. But look, I'm not going to I'm not going to kill the guy for having confidence in himself. Good. Good for Quest. But yeah, I would not have used the word elite. There's confidence and there's cockiness. There's there's a difference uh, for me between those two things. And Quez has got to get a little bit more done before he starts tossing the elite word around. Well, you know, I'm from the standpoint of players. Confidence is a big thing with players. And I think you saw Quez a perfect example because I think he lost his confidence last year. And I think Nick Sirianni um, tried to build it up in the offseason. Maybe it's working. He has been the best uh, of, of the other receivers, clearly. So for people thinking... Alameda Zacchaeus would come in here and be the third receiver. Well, it might happen, but over the first four days, it's not been close. I mean, he's not pushing Quez at this point. Now, maybe Quez falls apart, and and consistency has been one of the problems uh, with Quez. But he has has had a great practice on on Sunday. Was arguably the player of the day. Uh, made a number of tough catches and. Uh, he's playing well, but yeah, I would, I would not have gone down that road. Uh, but you know, good for him. He's got, got the confidence bubbling up. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially in this town where you see literal elite receivers, Yeah. now there is a big difference between AJ Brown and DeMonte Smith and then Quez Watkins. But, uh, Quez is here. That's the beauty. He's here to be the third receiver. And, you know, all he's got to do is make the plays when they come to him, like the Super Bowl. Now, he was playing through a shoulder injury last year, so maybe that factored in some of his struggles. Um, But, I I mean, if he could just make the plays, he's not going to get a lot of traffic, um, especially now when you add what we talked about with DeAndre Swift potentially. Might even be less traffic. but when the ball comes your way, you got to make that play. Uh, since yesterday here in Philadelphia with the Major League Baseball trade deadline being 6 p.m., the Phillies garnered a lot of attention. Eagles almost became a back burner story, which I thought was funny because it was probably the best day to evaluate the Eagles, like I said, since the Super Bowl. But more people paying attention to the Phillies because uh, it was trade deadline day. Uh, well, now the attention focuses back over to the Eagles. And their general manager, Howie Roseman, 
we know that uh, Howie is very good at watching other teams and what they're doing and waiver wire and stuff like that. He made the trade for CJ GJ right before the season started last year. So he's open-minded on a lot of different things. Third wide receiver now no longer an issue since Quez has reached elite status, Johnny Mac? No, I, I don't think they're looking for a third receiver. Um, um, I think that's way on the back burner for Howie considering, I mean, it's got to be safety or linebacker first and foremost. Um, yeah, I think they're comfortable enough uh, with Quez. And if he falters again, uh, the depth, the added depth they brought in with Alameda Zacchaeus. I, you know, I think a lot of people, there's not much better you can do than AJ and Devontae at the top. So, you know, I look at, you know, Cooper Cup, got hurt and uh with the rams and you know i'm not paying attention to the rams but when you look at the depth chart without cooper cup it ain't good um you know so to have two is pretty good um it's only and we we talked about a lot when deandre hobby you know people want to build a fantasy football team doesn't work that way guys like that want the football they want they 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 want to be involved you're not getting that type of player to be the third receiver. So, you know, it's a little bit crossing your finger from an injury standpoint. You certainly hope AJ and Devontae don't get injured. Um, and then they're fine. Um, linebacker and safety, though, they're not fine. So I think Howie's got more important things to worry about than third receiver. Fair enough. Uh, all right, then let me ask you about that linebacker spot. Because, again, Christian Ellis got some first-team reps. Uh, he's been a, uh, at least going back to OTAs, a off-season darling and making some plays and opening some eyes. Nicholas Morrow, not so much. Um, and we've noted many a time here on the show just because it stands out. Nobody in the league cuts a deal like the one that Christian, uh, that uh, Nicholas Morrow did with no guaranteed money. And we're talking about a couple of hundred thousand here on a million dollar cap, but every hundred thousand helps with your Harry Roseman doing something like that. If Nicholas Morrow isn't starting, is he departing? Would the Eagles move off Nicholas Morrow and potentially release him? Um, that means Sean Bradley moves up. Uh, other linebackers need to move out. If you're just taking a guy out of the mix, somebody's got to fill the void. If Morrow's not starting, would he be here as a backup, or you think the Eagles would just move on from him altogether? I mean, as you mentioned, they don't have any guaranteed money invested in him, so they can, yeah, they can do whatever they want. They can move on. It, you know, it's interesting. That was probably the most interesting thing in practice is that uh, they they played a lot, and I mean a lot, a big nickel. Uh, which means three safeties on the field. So in essence, Nakobe was the only linebacker on the field um, in first team reps. Um, and if that's the plan, um, and it might be the plan because Sean has done it in the past um, a little bit, um, then you start talking about Kayvon Wallace. Kayvon Wallace is getting first team reps He's getting first-team reps at safety, and he's getting first-team reps at linebacker in, 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 in essentially the nickel uh, where they have three safeties on the field. And they sort of toggled Edmonds and Wallace back and forth. 
so you don't know who's playing linebacker. You don't know who's playing safety on a particular snap, and you have to figure that out. Now, we're not talking about Ronnie Lott. I see Mike Gill. I was on his show. I mentioned that. We're not talking about Ronnie Lott when we're talking about these safeties. But are they better for that circumstance than Nicholas Morrow or Christian Ellis? Maybe. But I'm not comfortable with either. And by the way, the first two plays, the Eagles rolled out big nickel. Literally, the first two plays, they got gashed on both of them. On Kelsey was on, Kelsey. On, run, on running plays. No, Kelsey on passing plays. Really? Kelsey was Kelsey was downfield. Um, and I forget who caught rolling out Jalen Hurts, and he just obliterated Terrell Edmonds, who was playing linebacker. Um, and then was the big touchdown from Jalen Hurts to AJ Brown. Spots. 50, 60 yards. Um, yeah, it didn't look good early. Now that doesn't mean much, but, and they just unveiled it. Um, but I'm not comfortable. And by the way, Christian Ellis got more first team reps, significantly for more first team reps when they had two linebackers than Nicholas Morrow. So he may have already surpassed Nicholas Morrow, uh, but it's going to be interesting how much they use that big nickel. And they, Sean Desai must like Kayvon Wallace because I did not see that coming because he's been over the past couple of days way more relevant than than I had ever thought. And uh, hopefully he lives up to the coach's belief in him if that's the case, if they're going to give him actual reps in safety, uh, not big nickel looks, but when they Oh, no, go- both. He got big right, nickel both. looks. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, he was playing linebacker and safety, and so was Edmonds. And so was Sidney Brown, but on the second team. Um, so he hasn't graduated yet. Um, but, yeah, they used it a lot, Jody, a lot. And against a pass, it's supposed to be more effective because you're you're hoping that safeties are better in coverage than Nicholas Marr would be. Uh, the, the worry I would have would be a team would try and run against a somewhat smaller defensive lineup. You're telling me the passes uh, gutted them the first couple reps? Yeah, then they better get some more reps if they're going to actually use it when the season gets underway. We are Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. It's a Wednesday morning. You know what that means. We're headed down the shore. Our pal Mike Gill from the Sports Bash on ESPN Radio down the shore is up next here on Birds 365. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. 
Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Summer Wednesday morning here on Birds 365 with Mac, Mac, and Mike. Mike Gill, our bud from down the shore at 97.3 ESPN, the host of the Sports Bash. Good enough to jump in. All right, first things first, T-shirt identification. What are we donning today, Mr. Gill? You know, I've been trying to make sure I have a different shirt on every single time. So today, you I gotta made... be running. At some point, we're gonna run out. I get All that. All right, yeah. You got? Princeton. Princeton Tigers. Yeah, like it. You, I back you did to the get I around believe. to a lot of campuses, Gil. I got to give you props for that. Well, Princeton, you think I'm running out, baby? I'm just starting. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like he said. That it's not like he's at UCLA. He's down the street at Princeton. Come on. Come on, Jerry. I've you traveled. A, you, well, you got a Princeton t-shirt, Johnny Mac? Yeah, right? No. no well, listen, neither do I. I but did play-by-play. I did play-by-play, and I traveled a lot when I was on the road doing play-by-play. So a lot of college campuses during my time. And, you know, I – now, some of the t-shirts I didn't buy at the time I was on the campus, some of them I bought after the fact. Hey, I've been to Princeton. Hey, I've been to That's these right. places. You don't have to. You don't have to cop to that. You don't have to admit that. We'll believe yeah. you bought everything well, in the school. Jody, if I bought T-shirts when I actually was on the campus, I'd have none that fit me. That fit. Yeah, yeah. I kind of figured that. Yeah, you know, I've done that, Mike, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of, and my wife hates this, by the way, but I'm one of those people that now buys a a refrigerator magnet from every city I've go, gone to. Well, yeah. when I started traveling early in my career, I didn't do it. So there are ones that I have to get that I have to back order that I've already been to, but I wasn't I wasn't doing it at the time. Yeah, see, we I do the, we do the beer koozie from every like place we've been to. We have a koozie yeah. from like the different campuses and cities that we've been to. Now, nice. where do you keep those? 
You, have you know a what? The, in the garage, or no? There's a good spot. You know that that bottom drawer, the third one on the bottom. You dump oh, them you all in the bottom. Them up? No, yeah. you just put them all in the drawer. You see, that's why you got to go magnet because you can see them. And I, you know, I got the 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 outside refrigerator. Well, you got to keep the in mind, Johnny Mac. I live at the beach. We go to the beach. We pull out a bunch of koozies. We put true. them in the cooler. Oh, that's true. Koozies are getting used for all right. Getting used. All, right. all right, I believe that. All right, let's talk about the use of some Eagle players. From all reports, uh, Jalen Hurts has been nothing short of spectacular in his uh, repeat performance from last year's runner-up for MVP in the National Football League. Can Jalen Hurts actually be better than he was last year? He made the biggest jump from one year to another, third, second year to the third year that I've ever seen in the history of the National Football League. Now we ask him to jump up again. Could he actually be better than he was last year, Mike Gill? I've been in the camp that says I think he can, and and I'm not surprised that he does take a step forward. Look, we forget how young this guy is. I think I was talking to John on my show yesterday about I used the word mature, and it's almost like an insult because he is so mature. But you got to figure he's continuing to mature not only as a person but as a player. And this is a guy who worked his ass off to get from an average quarterback to second in the MVP you think he's just going to rest on his laurels and say, hey, I achieved my goal. I'm stopping there. No, this is a guy who probably continued to work to continue to get better and better and better. And it's not like a guy who's 32 years old who has been working his way to this point. He's still at a point where many young quarterbacks, even the Burroughs and the Herberts and the Mahomes, guys that some people perceive are better than him, those guys continue to get better even at their young age. So why wouldn't Jalen Hurts? Yeah, and I met I thought I asked Brian Johnson about that because Jalen really takes more pride, I think. Everybody knows he's got the tremendous athleticism, but you know, when he calls himself a, a triple threat, I think he takes more pride in being able to beat people with his mind, so to speak, with his, you know, reading defenses, with his processing skills. Um, and he's getting better and better at that. And, and that's where the improvement comes in. And, and that's what Brian said. I mean, it's common sense in a lot of ways in that the more you do something, the more comfortable you get, the better you get at it. And he's getting more comfortable processing, understanding where the football's uh, supposed to go. And I just mentioned it with Jody. I mentioned it with you yesterday. It, the ball's not hitting the ground when the first team is out there, maybe boring completions over two full practices. I don't, I don't think you get to the full hand. Um, and that's because he's making quick decisions. He's making the right decisions. He's going to open receivers and he's making plays. And you know, the other stuff is already there. So yeah, why not? Just say, Add into the fact that even if he, you know, incrementally doesn't improve himself, the guys around him are, are going to continue to make him a pretty darn good, you know, it's the McNabb thing. When you have Pinkston and Thrash, you can only do yeah. so much. You give him Terrell Owens and the guy became an MVP candidate all of a sudden. You know, we, we always look back at McNabb's career and, and kind of wonder what if. What if he had a T.O. every single year? Well, that's what Hertz has. He's got a T.O. and more. Well, that's <laughs> see, that to me, Mike, is the hard part because, you know, he might be a better quarterback 
but might not be as good statistically. And will people recognize that? I, I don't know. Will the Eagles recognize it? Yeah, if he gets better. You know, but if A.J. gets hurt or, you know, you have some significant offensive line issues, you have a tougher schedule, just as bare bones as that. It's conceivable he's a better player, but the numbers were so outrageous last year. They might not be quite as good, but, you know, that's a more esoteric discussion, as they say. Yeah. And, 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 and that's not a bad thing, by the way. Well, it's the same with the team. I mean, the team might be a better uh, outfit at the end, but their record might not suggest that they were better than the team before, you know, based on schedule and, and different things to that ilk. But who knows? You could be a 12-5 and five team and be better than the 14-3 and three team from a year ago. Oh, yeah. As John laid out, the ball is not hitting the ground much when Jalen Hurts is out there on the field. It, that's a good thing because if Brett Toth were out there on the field, the ball might actually be hitting the <laughs> ground because he's having some trouble with the uh, snapping for the second team unit. Uh, so he's getting all his uh, snaps in ahead of time. Good for Jalen on that. Um, here's the question I have about the Eagles overall offense. And John and I talked about this in a segment before we punched you up. Mike. How do you balance between being different, giving teams different looks not being static, but also not getting away from one of the best offensive years the Eagles have ever had as an organization. That sometimes can be a tricky balancing act because you don't want to stay the same, but if you choose to go elsewhere and do make some changes and they don't work, you go, well, why the hell did you change anything? It wasn't broke. Do you think uh, the new offensive coordinator is the guy to be trying to walk that balancing line? Well, he said some things yesterday that I thought were interesting. Brian Johnson, he, you know, a lot of people talk about Swift catching the ball. And we've discussed a lot when I've been on with you guys is, you know, they don't use the running back much because they've got multiple other progressions before they get to the running back. And by the time they get to the running back, Hurts generally just takes off. Yep. But what if they have a back that they do value enough that they manufacture touches for him. In other words, they call the play that he is the first. And he hates the manufactured touches. You don't want to go there, Mike Gill. The thing that he said yesterday, he was asked two questions about he didn't they didn't bring up Swift by name. They just said the running back. You know, they say hey, you threw the ball to running backs a lot at Florida was one of the questions. And the previous question was, you know, hey, what about throwing the ball to the backs? And his thing was look, if we have a matchup that we want to exploit so to your your question, Jody, I thought about this yesterday is, you know, sometimes it's matchup based. If you look at a team and you're saying, hey, they're going to take over. They got good corners this week. Their linebackers don't cover backs out of the backfield that well. This is a week where we can manufacture touches. So it might not be where they do it every single week. But if there's a team that just says, hey, or matches up with you well in certain areas, to see if this offensive coordinator will say, hey, you got that, we're going to do this. Let's see how you match up with that. And that could be something uh, that materializes over the season. But most times when you're looking at a matchup and you're saying who's got the check mark, the Eagles wide receivers or the other team's secondary, <laughs> there's going to be very few secondaries that win that check mark. Yeah. Uh, to clarify my manufacturer touch position, I don't like Jody when – teams build offenses around manufactured touch players because the coaches don't have enough discipline to keep going back to it as a curveball, Yeah. 
it, as I said, if you're going to run that stupid bubble screen, I'd rather run it with DeAndre Swift than Quez Watkins because DeAndre is going to be able to break that first tackle and is going to be able to do things in space. Um, and I don't mind that as a curveball. Now, if you're trying to build an offense around that nonsense, yeah, I don't who, like who, that. Whoever built an offense around that? Oh, you kidding me? There's, there's, there's uh, again, Kyle does it well. So, but you know, I've, I've been around so many players. You know, I love Cordero Patterson. I, I was around uh, Percy Harvin, who was a phenomenal player. But how do you get him to damn football consistently? Uh, you you got to be able to run routes as a receiver. You want you you want the guys. You want the AJ Browns, the Devontae Smiths, the Stephon Diggs, the Justin Jeffersons, the Devontae Adams. Guys who can get open in traditional ways are the guys you build offenses around. Percy Harvin is as talented as every single one of those guys, but he couldn't run routes, so you had to figure out ways to get him to football. And for anybody who doesn't remember Percy. Go look up some highlights on Percy Harvin. Just an unbelievable talent. But you can't build an offense around it. But you get him and you go, we got to build an offense around this guy. You can't. That's my problem. And maybe Kyle can because he's done it to a certain degree with Debo Samuel. Um, But other than that, there's very few people that have the discipline to keep going back to it again and again and again whereas you just call a route to aj brown what's his twitter handle always open always open that's easy the other stuff that's difficult and that's why i don't like it so i just wanted to clarify that position but as a curveball yeah knock yourself out um it helps and that's what the eagles need because they got a great fastball the eagles got the great fastball with aj Devonte dallas goddard and they got to get the football. They got to get the football. And I don't know why everybody's obsessed, Mike, with getting other people to football. Like, with all due respect to Quez and DeAndre, you'll get the scraps. Yeah, I got to well, I got to get the football to these guys. I do feel there is that uh, avenue of the fan who watched Swift carve you up in week number one. And that memory sticks of, this guy's really good. Well, if you went back and watched him in week two, three, four, he missed a couple of weeks with the, with an ankle and a shoulder injury. He didn't have that same week against anybody else. Uh, he, he had a, in fact, the game against Philadelphia was the only game he had over a hundred yards rushing the entire season. Um, so yeah, he had a really good game against the Eagles, and I think a lot of fans remember that that breakout performance. He said, "Wow, we got this guy. You got to make him. You got to give him the ball more." Whereas Detroit, I think by the end of the year. He had kind of fallen down their depth chart a little bit. So uh, I, I think that does play a factor as why we envision certain guys being a bigger part of the offense than maybe the team will envision. And, it's gonna be and I stand on if Penny is healthy, he's the most talented of the backs by far. And that if you're putting them now, John, you're there. If you put those five guys on the field next to each other and all say, hey, run the same play, I'm going to hand you the ball. I would have to imagine if you're coaching that team, you're saying, this guy Penny looks a heck of a lot better than what else with the other guys I got, if healthy. Yeah, he's the most talented runner. Um, I, I think the Eagles are enamored by, I don't think he's the most well-rounded, 
I think DeAndre is the most well-rounded, and I think they're enamored by that. But, yeah, as far as just running the football, yeah, we've already seen Rashad do it. I mean, Rashad's a high-level runner in this league. But can you trust him? Is he going to stay healthy? Um, You know, if he does, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not comparing any of those other backs to Rashad Penny as a runner. Um, I don't know how you could. As John points out, when you have A.J. Brown, who got 145 targets last year, and Devontae Smith, who got 136 targets last year, only leave so many targets left to be divvied up between everybody else. And, oh, by the way, they've got their elite third wide receiver in Quez Watkins. So I I don't know how they're going to have the ball available to give to Swift or Goddard uh, with the, the the amount of, uh, of ball sharing that they have to do this year. But here's the one thing I know. If anybody will do it right, it'd be Jalen Hurts because he is that smart. He looks <laughs> like he's even better than he was last year, which is tough to believe, but uh, we'll see it once the season starts. All right, other side of the football, Mike Gill. The other guy who was a little talkative yesterday was their star defensive end, Hassan Reddick, who had 19 and a half sacks last year. He wants to make sure everybody knows that he had 19 and a half sacks this year and acknowledges that he had 19 and a half sacks last year. And that he is, he's allowed to use the word elite. I think Quez kind of stretched the imagination yesterday. Oh, it's on Reddick's allowed to say elite because he was one of the elite defensive players in the league. Uh, But then the conversation turned to how much he's being paid. And a couple of those other elite defenders, such as Jones in Kansas City and Bosa with San Francisco, are actually holding out right now because they don't like the fact that the defensive end, high-end salary market has jumped and they're not there yet. Well, you sure as hell could say the same about Hassan Reddick. And it was broached yesterday in a conversation that he had. He said, yeah, you guys can see where I'm at, yeah. uh, both play level and, and salary. So he did say it'll work itself out, but... I'm sure that the guys who are holding out thought the same exact thing. And as it worked out, by the way, Jody, that was Groats stirring the pot with the contract, but he's was right. It Groats who asked the, yeah. the yeah. follow-up question. That was my first question. Yeah. Who asked that question to even bring this up? Why yeah. I haven't heard anything about this. And then yesterday it's like somebody no, asked Bob's right though. Cause he's not saying he's, I'm not saying that it's not, a, 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 it's a good question. I'm not knocking the question, but it doesn't seem it was something that needed. It wasn't brought up at all until. No, the no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I actually saw the tape of that entire interview to defend my friend, the Prince of Darkness, Bob Groats. <laughs> Hassan Reddick brought up the conversation of money. The first question was, how do you uh, motivate yourself? How do you define yourself? And he said, some other players define themselves by the paycheck that they get. He didn't bring up, he brought up money first. The question wasn't about, hey, Hassan, how badly underpaid are you? That wasn't a reporter stirring the pot that was just looking to, to get some angst going. No, no, no. Unasked, Hassan Reddick went to the salaries of the other players, then rightfully so, Groats went with the follow up. Yeah. Well, then are you underpaid? Do you see yourself as underpaid? Which is the obvious and accurate uh, follow-up question. So I tip my cap to Bob Goats. 
Oh, in that in that instance, fine. If he brings it up and then you follow up, well, are you under? Are you suggesting you're underpaid? Sure, exactly the way it went down. Yeah, look, Reddick's not wrong. I mean, he had. Oh yeah, he outplayed his contract. He so had double digit sacks in Arizona. He had double digit sacks in Carolina. Then came here and had double digit sacks. Uh, we talk about this a lot. People don't like to hear it. You know, it, it, John Gannon got more sacks out of Reddick than anybody else was able to get out of the guy significantly more. So. He outplayed his contract here. Uh, he signed a contract based on what he did in the two previous stops, and he was better here. Now, mm-hmm. if he follows it up, you know, with another year like that, I think they would probably say, hey, we might have to think about this. But I don't like when somebody has one year of outperforming. That's why the Hertz contract came at such a weird time. But he was at a time where you were kind of stuck and you had to do something. Because he only has shown for one year. Now, I'm not suggesting I think that there was a fluke of a year, but you got to give me a bigger sample size before we then say, well, you I do. I don't know, man. If I were Hassan's agent, um, I'd be in there knocking on the door. I, I'd be in. I just go back to the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. If you remember what went on there, the Chiefs had a deal with Tyreek Hill. They had a deal done. They were waiting to announce it for whatever reason. And then Devontae Adams comes in and swoops in and they trade and he gets his deal. And Tyreek's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And all of a sudden he wants, you know, more money than Kansas City can go. And he's trading and things go in a different direction. The Chiefs were able, obviously, to persevere. Um, and Hassan explained this pretty succinctly. For whatever reason, like you're saying, now he had a career year. You're right there, Mike. But he was really good his last year in Arizona, and he was really good his one year in Carolina. And he was even underpaid when the Eagles signed him originally. Well, then that's his fault. But, well, he, he had a weird sort of disconnect because people thought he was a bust because Arizona, the first three years of his career, played him at off-ball linebacker like a bunch of idiots, and he was a bust for the first three years of his career. And then basically out of desperation, they had him for one more year. They said, all right, let's let this guy pin his ear back to go get the quarterback. And whoa, voila, he's used correctly, turns into a great player. And he mentioned people still have that thought of those first three years in Arizona when he was essentially playing out of position. That's where I, I, I yelled at fans saying, oh, play Nolan Smith at all, Paul linebacker. No, do not play Nolan Smith at all Paul linebacker. Let him do what he does and and eventually develop into a great pass rusher. Um and 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 for whatever reason that sticks in people's minds and I'm talking I'm not even talking about fans. I'm talking about NFL executives and they're like what what you kind of just said Mike. Well he's got to prove himself more. Why? There's only I, I think Nick Bosa is the only guy who's got more sacks than Hassan Reddick over the well, last three seasons. I only say that based on to the contract that he agreed on when he signed here, he may he must have thought that that value was, was the right value to sign the deal. So now you've outperformed what you signed for based on what you did in Carolina and probably to some extent Arizona. So you signed for that number. Well, then you got to Philadelphia and outperformed – those two years, that's what I'm saying. If you follow up the year that you had in Philly again, okay, now you have a gripe to say, I've outperformed the deal that I signed based on what I did in Arizona and Carolina. 
I think I should get paid more money. I wouldn't have a problem with that, but that's what By I'm saying. Way, and and how he's very savvy because that's one of the reasons why Nolan Smith is here. To be honest, I mean they know they know this is coming. Whether it's um, whether it's this year, next year, they know it's coming. Right. Um, and and the numbers for edge rushers, you know, Daniel Hunter just got whatever the ability to make twenty million. Um, and Hassan sitting there at 15 and remember it's less because, you know, he got the money up front with the guarantees. This could develop into something. Yeah, he's 28 uh, years old too. So it's not like you're talking about a guy who's crossed that 30 year old threshold that the Eagles, you know, in the past have been known to cut ties when you hit that 30, he still does have two more playing. I think two more playing seasons under that 30-year-old age. Yeah, they might have to tweak it. Um, it'll be interesting. They certainly and if he would has like another it. year like he had last year, I mean, look, 18 and a half sacks is, is just a is a tremendous year. If he has another year like that, then, yeah, you're, you're well-deserving. And he's not wrong. I think he's right. I think he's top five sacks in the league over the last – since that Arizona season that people don't even recognize that. This guy's been a premier, premier pass rusher, uh, but he took it to another level last year. The question is to extend or not to extend, and the question that comes off that is when. Um, and I don't think Kassan purposefully did that. I think he was just talking off the top of his head, and then rightfully so. There was a follow-up question that now makes it an issue. I, I, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I don't think his agent goes uh, bashing into Howie Roseman's office today and says, oh, yeah? If you and I aren't talking, my guy's not practicing. I don't think he's going to pull him off the field the way that uh, uh, Jones is in Kansas City or Bosa is in uh, San Francisco. But the conversations can be ongoing. How he's been known, he didn't do any of it last year. And I know I kind of questioned it, and it worked out fine because they went to the Super Bowl. But how he has always been a guy to be ahead of the curve and get the negotiations in ahead of time, try and get an extension done ahead of time. He didn't do any of that last year, and they let a whole bunch of guys walk away because of it. Do you think this is going to be an extension off year for the Eagles? Will they do one or two with guys? And it can level from uh, San Reddick, uh, defensive player of the year conversation, to uh, a backup offensive lineman. You think how he does in-season uh, extensions this year for the Birds? Uh, you know, we were, we were talking about the long-term uh, group that they have currently here, the Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, um, Jason, Kelsey, and, and Lane Johnson, that group you don't see on teams where the four guys have stayed together. So who will they prioritize as that next group of guys? And you probably have to start thinking about that now. As those guys get ready to walk out the door, you probably are going to start kind of identifying who are the next group of guys that you would want to stay here. And so, yeah, Jody, I think you start to look at those guys. Who is that group of guys uh, that you say, all right, we want to make sure that these guys, we don't have any of these issues where they're free agents and we want to identify them. So uh, I guess well, you start to- remember it's the 2020 draft guys. So, right. You know, that's the Rager draft and the Hertz draft. Obviously Rager's not relevant to this discussion anymore. Hertz has already been extended. Then you talk about Davey, Davion Taylor. no, Kayvon Wallace, I just mentioned, he's becoming a bigger deal. Maybe you can get something cheap done with him. Jack Driscoll, 
maybe something cheap done. Sean Bradley, Quez Watkins. Right. Those are the well, guys. That was you're talking. So you're not talking guys, about my lot of sweat, Goddard, Maddox. The guys who would be up for that, is, they are not really guys that you're going to target. So yeah. I guess the question would be, are you going to go to the next group earlier and and say, hey, let's let's talk about doing you know, because you're going to get Smith soon, Dickerson soon. You're going to have yeah, to but make- you can't. I mean, how is you can't get extensions done till after that uh, third year? So they're not, you know, that's not pressing. Well, let me let me let me put one guy in the hopper, the elite third wide receiver. The Eagles have Quez Watkins. Are you looking to extend a guy like Quez, seeing as he's a re- reached elite status? Yeah, well, because Quez self defines himself as elite doesn't mean how he has lost his mind. Um, yeah, Quez has got a lot to prove, um, but he knows. Hey, maybe that helps Quez Watkins uh, because he knows he's on a contract year. And he's also whether- not a guy that you would look at as identifying <laughs> to someone that is a core player no, that you're is no. here 10 years from now you're looking back and say I, I mean those guys would be and again they're not they're not there yet it would be dickerson and smith uh would be the first two guys that oh, you yeah, say okay, that's going to be uh, difficult those guys, right yeah. you want to make sure that those two guys are are locked in and you know hopefully 10 years from now landon dickerson still playing left guard at a very high level similar to what you got from jason kelsey as your center for the run that you got from him and lane johnson as your right tackle you've already identified my lotta so yeah you're, you're kind of out of guys this particular season uh <clears throat> to pick but it would be uh it'd be kind of interesting to see if they do identify people this offseason this but, you know, it, there's no, you know, if, if Jack Triss was going to be a long-term six-man, you know, that makes some sense. Sure. To try to get him done as early as possible. So there could be, but not big ones. But the Eagles have proven, look, the one guy, Hurts, they got done. They got my lot of done. They got Sweat done. They got Goddard done. They got Maddox done. They'll get Smith done and Dickerson done when the time is right and when they can. They've done a very good job of identifying those players you're talking about, Mike, and getting deals. And all those guys were all drafted by the team, whereas the Reddicks of the world, um, you know, they were they were brought in here as free agents. So their money up front or when they originally got here was a lot more significant than those other guys. So you don't think if uh, Reddick's agent came knocking on Howie's door, Howie's message would be. Yeah, get back to me in 12 months that uh, he wouldn't have a conversation with you. Mean if he knocked on the door today, yeah, I would imagine he'd be told, Come back to me in 12 months. Okay, all right, just double check. See, the problem with that is then you start, he might might say it not as direct. (laughs) Now, now, Jody, that's easy to say, but as Jody pointed out, some of the names, if the player is upset. And the player starts to, whether it's holding in like Hunter or holding out like Bosa, which doesn't make sense from a financial standpoint, but the hold in is the better way to go. If the player's upset, you know, then issues arise. So, I mean, there's a real world human effect here. Um, And Hassan's whole life basically is built on having a chip on his shoulder because he thinks he's underappreciated, and he is, and he thinks he's underrated, 
and he is. And he gave that. This guy was fourth in the defensive player of the year voting. As you mentioned, he had 19 and a half sacks. And he gave that great quote. Um, basically, if you don't think I'm good, basically, you don't know ball. Um, he's got a big chip on his shoulder. Big chip. And that could turn negative if, if he thinks he's being disrespected. Yeah. I, I Listen. I have a lot in common with Mr. Reddick, believe me. We we think very similarly here. Um I also he showed up. He did he bring it up to try to get it out there just to let them know, only to walk away in the middle of it? I, I don't see that happening. I mean, I think if he would have done something, if he was so angry, um, he just would have done something similar to the other guys, not shown up at all. Well, he brought well, it up. I, I look. I think Hassan Hassan's from Philly. I think he loves it here. He loves the situation. I'm not trying to create controversy. What I'm saying is, in that scenario you guys were mentioning, if Howie just and Howie's too savvy for this, if Howie says hangs up the phone, call me in 12 months, then you're you're antagonizing. Well, that's the, right. He the, would say it a little differently. Yeah, you're antagonizing the situation. I'm sure he's already had conversations. I'm sure. What was the deal that he signed? I remember it being a, a, a deal that I was three three forty five fifteen million yeah. per. Yeah. Right. So his last year he's already of off the year he had. He's uh, now a very team friendly contract. In oh, one yeah. year he made a for what seemed to be a fair contract into a team friendly contract with the unbe unbelievable season he had last year. Yes, I would well, say Hunter's that the last one. Hunter's the last one to sign, and he's been a very good player for a long time. And he got 17 million with the ability to make 20 million. Um, and he wasn't Hassan Reddick last year. Um, so, you know, and, and I think he's 10th on the edge rusher list. So, yeah, Hassan's underpaid um, by any measure. Um, how, how it unfolds, I, I can't tell you. Yeah, but what, he's definitely what, underpaid. What week is the bye week for the Eagles? Like, they get eight in, 10. Or nine. 10, week 10, week 10, so they yeah. get nine. So that's just slightly more than half a season. He's got 10 sacks by the time they get to the bye week, and I'm his agent. Oh, yeah, I'm putting some well, on the books you know, Jody, and go face-to-face -face with Howie Roseman. It, well, Jody, after the question that you posed and saying, hey, will they find someone, there's not a lot of options in season, so the timing might work out for him. As far as an extension goes. Right, where, where he might not say, get back to me in 12 months. He might say, listen, we acknowledge this. We really like Hassan being a part of the organization. Let us just kind of get the season off the ground, and maybe we reconvene, you know, somewhere around, you know, week nine and see, you know, before. Uh, so that's something, like talking it, it through it, they, you know, that's something they like to do. They like to identify players. They don't have a, anybody really from the 2020 class that is of, of big time importance. You have some depth guys that you might like to keep around, um, but you don't have that one guy where you're like, this well, is. You had that one. You had hurt. Right. You had hurt. Right. You got hurt. Done. That, yeah. that, that one's in the rearview mirror. Uh, let me throw one more in the mix. And I fear I already know the answer, but maybe, maybe I'm. Uh, reaching here to try and get a different answer. If one of the two free agent backs that they brought in this year, Swift or Penny, goes off 
in the first half of the season and is just killing it. However you want to define killing it statistically. Would the Eagles actually think about getting a contract extension with either of those two guys? As oh, they're the league gone. Is- they're gone. They're gone. That's the, the quickest path. If they play well, they're gone. The Eagles aren't paying, right? How many times they got to prove it? They ain't paying. They ain't paying for a run. No, but here, let me ask you this question. Would all five of these guys have a shot to make the roster? Yeah, yeah. Um, I and in many yeah, ways, I don't I think, think that's so. helpful. I don't think I don't think there's a prayer they cover five carry five. Right no, now. I don't think they're going to carry five. I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. You said all five guys have a chance to make the roster. I think all five guys have a chance. Well, no, Jody Frey. I, I meant to carry all five. Oh, they, yeah, they're not carrying five. If that's no, they're not carrying five. But the thing, the advantage Kenny Gainwell and Trey Sermon have, and Trey's the long shot, is they have them under control for a little bit longer um, than Swift. Swift's in a contract year. Penny's obviously on a one-year deal. So, is it Boston you know, the highest paid back on the team? Um, I believe he is. I'd have to double check that, but I believe he is. Um, <laughs> how do you walk into that room and say, Hey guys, I'm the highest paid back in this room. And, and, <laughs> and, and he's on a one year prove it deal as well. You keep that under wraps is what you do. Um, you, you, you get on your phone, you check your banking account, but you don't mention yeah. that in the, in the actual room. itself. Well, like, none of them make any money. That's the point. Now, Kenny and Trey, it's gotta still, be the highest paid guilds, right? Yeah. It's Boston Scott. Kenny and Trey are still on their rookie deals, which is the whole point they're, they're They have extra time. And now as miles has proven, look, 1269, right? I guess it's potentially if, if Rashad Penny's on route to that type of season, would he sign a team friendly deal? I mean, I wouldn't, um, but we know what the running back market is. Um, DeAndre Swift, if he's having that type of year to me, the clearest path to, to Swift and Penny being one and done in Philadelphia is them playing tremendously. Mm-hmm. The only way they're coming back is if they're eh, okay, and the Eagles can get them on another one year. Yeah, and this is going to be interesting. Year. It's going to be interesting to see what happens this next off season. Now that all the agents and the and the players' association have this full calendar year to kind of look back at at the running back situation, since it was such a topic, but people have to keep in mind. You know, when they sign these collective bargaining agreements, yeah, how many running I mean, backs are in the league? You know, they have 2,000 people in the league. They're not making decisions based on 90 no, of them. You know? That's one of the most absurd stories. You know, uh, often, uh, interior offensive linemen were underpaid for years. Uh, nobody gave up, you know what, because nobody cares about I mean, it's supply and demand. You know, people don't want to pay for running backs. Uh, right. You, you can't force them. Can't force them to pay for That's running backs. That's the biggest back. issue with the running back. You wonder though if they would fight for you know if you're the running backs you can't franchise them or that if you do franchise them the the number will be significantly different than what it currently is. Then you got to, as you mentioned, Mike. Then you got to open up the CBA. And why would they open up the CBA? I mean, for for a, such a small group, but there's one thing. They could uh, the CBA will be reopened. I can guarantee you that. 
Um, but will the union go to bat for that smaller group in the face of the entire larger group that it is? 18th game. You know the NFL wants to get that 18th regular season game in. If, if it's not next year, it's going to be the year after. They want to get to it as soon as possible, knock off another preseason game, and get that 18th regular season game. And when they do, the the, the running backs just have to petition their union and go, yeah, you got to take yeah, care of it. I'll say this then, guys. Why would the union – forget about the league. Why would the union do that? Because the minute you do that – Who's next? You know, who's next? The linebackers? Who? Uh, they're going to say, "What about us? What about what about all-ball linebackers? What about interior offensive line? What about fullbacks? What about the, you know? I mean, everybody's going to be in line. Why are you helping? Why are you singling out these? You're, Johnny, you're a running guys? back hater, man. You are just a hater. No, I, I meant from the union's perspective, it's not even tenable. So people say, well, the league doesn't care about running backs. So well, you know union- what they you know what they get instead, John? Less practice time. Because every time the union negotiates, that's the only thing they win. It's less practice. Well, I agree they never with get that. more money. They never stand up for a group. I'd say actually stand up for a group rather than go. Yeah, green practices will only be 80 minutes rather than 90 minutes. Well, I agree. That's all they win when they negotiate with the owners. Well, I agree that they need to stand up for a group. That group needs to be the players as a whole financially. Uh, They don't. That that is what's called a Pandora's box. If you start singling out. Oh. We're going to fight for running backs, but we're not going to fight for insert this. And yeah. obviously, well, it's a very difficult situation because of the nature of okay, you're a sport and you're trying to also, I guess the NFL doesn't care as much about promoting their own. It's not the NBA where they're trying to promote, but the running backs are some of the most recognizable players that they have in their league. Hey, name me a couple of NFL players. Well, Saquon Barkley and Travis, you know, Henry and, and Zeke Elliott, and like. People know who these guys are right off the bat. Even Elliot, a guy who's a little bit past his prime now, is probably one of the more recognizable players in your entire league, um, which makes it different from an off-ball inside or an inside linebacker or an interior lineman. Not that that means you should get paid more money necessarily, but a lot of times if you are a someone who – uh, has a big following and ha- has a big reach that does garner you more pay. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, to me, it's a simple uh, supply and demand issue. And Lloyd Howell uh, is the new executive director of the NFLPA. Boy, you're putting him in a difficult spot if you're saying, hey, go fight for running backs, but nobody else. I mean, I think it's an absurd discussion. I really do from the perspective of people. And there's been a lot of media people who said, you got to do something about the running backs. Uh, it, 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 doesn't, it, it just makes no sense from a logical standpoint. And Any by the way, uh, I am I agree with you. I, I'm just, you know, looking at the other side of it, asking during the question that was thrown our way about the running backs. They're not getting paid. And it just kind of snowballed down this direction. But I also agree that. Yeah. I, yeah I, real quick. I You want to get running backs paid? Play football like it used to be paid. And they will get paid. And they will get paid extensively and handsomely. 
and amongst the most, what you were talking about, Mike, most high-profile players in football like they used to be. Right. Play football well, the way it used to be played. Listen, the, you asked somebody to name football players. I said Zeke Elliott. He's not even on a roster. But most people, you know, you're in my age group. What are they going to say? Emmett Smith. You know, they're going to give you Eddie George. They're going to give you guys. The running backs were the most recognizable players of, of an entire multiple eras. And even in an era where the running back has been, quote, unquote, devalued, they're still some of the most recognizable players in the league. Well, then go back eight, to college and get some NIL money. Uh, that's, if, what I, that's what I'll say. If you uh, ask, because, yeah. if you ask yeah. a good football fan but not a diehard football fan, name the top three uh, off-ball linebackers in the NFL. You'd be lucky if you come up with two names. They would forget about the top three. They might not be able to give you two. So, Mike, I think you're right. The, the name cachet might be enough for the union to uh, actually – Put them at their top of the must-help out list if there is an opening to the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, Gil, we kept you way over. Thank you very much. Uh, be tuned next week to see if Mike – he's running out of Ivy League schools. He's already put a bunch of the T-shirts yeah. on from the Ivy League. What have we got? Uh, I want to see a C and a C at the end of that jersey next week. Community College. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of them out there. Don't care which one, but give me a CC next week. All right, I think uh, I think Cornell's got to be disrespected. I think we have. I've never been to Cornell. Cornell. Never yeah. been there. They, they might they be, I am taking a, I am taking a trip uh, at the end of August. I might have a couple new ones for you. All very right. nice. Nice. All right. nice. Mike Gill, thank you very much. Stay off the beach. See you guys. Thanks, Mike. Mike Gill here with us on Bird Three Sixty. Who else I, have we got in Dartmouth? I'm trying to think of the Ivy League schools now. He's clicked uh, off a couple. I I, yeah. I forget which ones, but uh, and, Columbia. Uh, I think we got a Columbia. Michael actually attending any of those schools? Not happening. <laughs> kind of like you and me. Uh, we visit. We buy a T-shirt. That's all I got was a stinking T-shirt. That's the only way we. I've been on Kent Penn's campus many times, so I don't think that makes me Ivy League. No, that doesn't quite get you to Ivy League status. Walking through the campus and uh, heading off down the street to the palestra. No, that, that doesn't count as being attending an Ivy League school. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, coming back. A uh, quick uh, segment, and then we'll get Andrew. Did- DeCheco. DeCheco. I always yeah. want to say DeCheco. I know I got a buddy named DeCheco. Andrew, Andrew DeCheco is going to join us coming up in less than 15 minutes here on Birds If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. 
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Got Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365. We'll get Andrew DiCecco up with us coming up in just a couple from inside the Birds. Um, John, I want to ask you about a uh, particular player, not an Eagle player, and I'm not suggesting the Eagles should have interest in this player, but uh, yours truly likes to take a victory lap when I get an in advance premonition that a guy would be a good fit with a team like uh, I suggested the Eagles sign Hassan Reddick before he became a Carolina Panther. When he left Arizona, I said, hey, he'll be a nice fit here in Philadelphia. They didn't. He went and joined his college coach with uh, the Panthers for a year before he came here. Hit that one right on the head. I had the Eagles getting James Bradbury when he was still under contract to the Giants. Knew it was coming. Knew he was going to be a salary cap cut. Knew the Eagles had a need. Boom. Been a perfect marriage. But every once in a while, you get one stone cold wrong. I thought O.J. Howard was going to be a Pro Bowl tight end, like a game-changing tight end, a Kelsey-like Kansas City effect tight end in the National Football League. He got cut by the Raiders yesterday. He's already been to five NFL teams. He just has never panned out. And you can't blame the, the guys around. He was with Brady in, in Tampa and couldn't make the cut. Now, I know he's had a couple injuries, and that's part of it, but Man, I was just so wrong about this guy, John. I thought he's going to be one of the best tight ends in the National Football League. What the hell happened with O.J. Howard? Uh, you know, I think a lot of it is injuries. But even, yeah, you're right. Even before then, he he wasn't uh, taking off like his reputation um, would have indicated. You know, first-round pick, Alabama, yada, yada, yada. But, I, you know, I talk all the time. As many great SEC players as there are, and there's more great SEC players than any other college conference, it's by far college football's best conference. 
SEC fans are nuts. They get mad. It doesn't guarantee success in the other. There's a yeah. lot of guys, and OJ's one of them. Uh, Irv Smith, another Alabama tight end. I thought he was going to be great. Nothing to this point. Maybe he resuscitates his career in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. Maybe. Um, I, yeah, I mean, he's got, as you mentioned, he's got plenty of opportunities. Yeah. And it's always, you know, if you look at O.J. Henry, O.J. Howard, sorry, O.J. Oh. Howard from a trade standpoint, a measurable standpoint, I always say if you're in the first round of the NFL draft, it ain't the traits. You got six six, whatever, runs a four five, blah blah blah. Strong as all get. It's something else. What is it? He's had a lot of injuries. I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know how hard he works. I don't know the work ethic. Now, typically, I know the Alabama guys that came here. They all seem to have the right mindset, the right work ethic. So I don't know what it is, but typically it, 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 my, my, my best guess, if you force me, would be injuries. But I, I don't know because I'm not around them. But there's plenty of guys like that who just never live up to the expectations. And, yeah, he's gotten plenty of chances and uh, hasn't worked out. And uh, there are some guys that, and again, I don't go to the combine. I, I uh, rely on my Rick Saratellas of the world to give me the breakdown on what type of guys that they are, if they got the prerequisite work ethic, whatever else. I just watch football on fr- on Saturdays, They're starting on Wednesday nights. They keep keep moving that college week up earlier and earlier and earlier. But I watch a lot of college football. And, man, that kid just looked good to me. He looked like a stone-cold, can't-miss kind of player, and he was anything but in the National Football League. Sometimes you get them right, and uh, sometimes you get them wrong. And I was wrong about that. I, I threw this out there and just kind of uh, snide uh, under, under the wire type way. Um, but I do think it merits a consideration and a question. Brett Toth, backup center. If they're going to keep... Jurgens at uh, right guard, and if he's doing well there, we're seven games into the season, and he's killing it at right guard. And Jason Kelsey gets hurt, and he's going to miss a game or two. Are they going to move Jurgens back over to center and just plug in Stein, who gets beat for the job in preseason, or are they going to actually let Brett Toth hold it down for a while? Because I've seen your report and everybody else is reporting for camp. He's having a tough time just snapping the ball to the yeah. corner. I mean, he's he's not a natural center. You know, he played uh, tackle in college, tight end, really. Um, so, you know, he's learned in the position. Um, and, you know, that's a difficult part, especially when you're always in, in shotgun, you know, basically. Um, and he's had some difficulty, so. It's practice, and that's where you're supposed – I mean, Jason Kelsey still has issues um, every once in a while uh, with worm burners. So, But to answer your question, yes, I think if that were the case, and, you know, Jason Kelsey's always out there, but if he does miss a game, yeah, I think they would move Camp Jurgens to center. Um, and it might be Tyler Steen. It might be Jack Driscoll. 
but they have a lot of options where they would then insert a right guard. So I'm not too concerned about it because, yeah, they just moved Jurgens over to center, uh, and he's more than capable of it. All right, so uh, although the coach doth protest when you say, as Cam Jurgens locked up the right guard spot, what do you mean? The competition is ongoing. What um, competition? <laughs> when does this competition begin? Has has not happened. Uh, and I it was only just a couple of years ago. Shoot, we were doing Birds 365. We've been doing it for a while now. I forget what show it is today. It is show number 578. Um, 578. 578 today, Johnny Mac. Um but this was year one that we were doing it. We talked about Andre Dillard and Jordan Mailata. And Dillard started off that year getting the first team reps. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, that, man. they people were sharing that. the first team reps. And then all of a sudden, Jordan now, was getting more of the first team reps. No, to be fair, they rotated from day one. So it was Andre. But who got but, the first of the first team reps? Andre. Andre David. got David. day one. Then Jordan got day two. Then Andre got uh, day three. And it continued that way through camp until Andre got hurt. Um, and then Jordan just took it. And it's all that over. Was the it's end all of over. That. It's all over. Um, yes. Now, Jordan was outperforming Andre. But Andre, boy, they wanted Andre to win that job. People forget. They wanted him to win. They wanted him to win that job. Uh, first round pick. I mean, GMs want first-round picks to succeed. Um, Do you think that plays in this year's competition, the fact that uh, Jurgens was a second-round pick and uh, Steen wasn't until a third? Yeah, I I don't get it. I I, I think I mentioned that with you a couple days ago because they've defaulted to certain guys. They've defaulted N'Kobe. but even Nicobe's a, a third round pick, ironically, in the same year. I know we got to get to Andrew, who's in the green room. Hi, Andrew, uh, if he's paying attention. Um, but um, even Reed Blankenship, they're defaulting to undrafted kid. With Jurgens, they're like, nobody else is taking a first team rep. He's taking every single first team rep. He's been fine, he hasn't looked overmatched or anything. And for some reason, Nick keeps leaving this open ended. I, it's kind of weird. And he's the higher pick, as you mentioned. He's the 51st overall pick. The Kobe was a third-round pick. Now, maybe they feel they have better comp. They don't have competition at linebacker, right. let's be honest. That's, there's nobody that's else big, they can go to. That's a big to. part of it. But safety, they do. And that's an undrafted kid. It's kind of weird to me. And I haven't gotten a, a, a good beat on that, to be honest. Fair enough, uh, but I think it's worth keeping your eye on. We keep our eye on our next guest. We see him in the green room. He's ready to jump aboard. Andrew DiCecco joins us next here on Birds 365.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles all right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles We got Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365. We are lucky enough to get Andrew Ducheco up with us from inside the birds.com and their podcast and covering the Eagles on a day-in, day-out basis. I tried to get him earlier. We go, sorry, Joe, gonna be a practice. No can do. I said, well, that's good. When we get you on the show afterwards, you'll know that much more. So we're looking to tap into your knowledge today, Checo. Uh, I want to get a read from you on something that we discussed in the first hour. Will there be at any point a conversation this year? When I say this year, I mean from today straight through till um, whenever the Eagles season ends, hopefully with a parade. Um, will there be a conversation about a contract extension for Hassan Reddick? I think there has to be, Jody, to be honest with you. When you look at what Hassan Reddick has done in his body of work, especially the past few seasons, really consistent pass rusher, constantly. He's a top three, maybe even a top five, or top five, maybe even a top three pass rusher. And I think that he is someone that when he's utilized properly, you can't, you're seeing what he's able to do with his skill set. I think he still has room to even improve. He's chasing 20 sacks this year. I, I think that, that that's certainly a, a tall task given the plethora of uh, – weapons they have as, as pass rushers, but I think that he's going to continue to get better. So when you look at it in those terms, I think that that, that would warrant that. By the way, Josh, uh, Josh Sweat mentioned 15 or 20 sacks as his goal. Uh, you know, I, and I, I, I guess got, they're getting that 70 again. Yeah. Since I always, well, that's Reddick's what I said. getting 20 and Josh is getting uh, 15. Uh, they can't get a hundred. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of dismiss them getting 70 sacks again because it's only been done three other times in the history of professional football. So uh, history would tell you, eh, you're probably not going to do that again. But I kind of say that jokingly. Could they do that again? Could they get the 70? I mean, this 
defensive front, Andrew, is ridiculously loaded to the point where I think it becomes a problem, a nice problem, but it does become a problem getting everybody on the field and keeping everybody happy. Yeah, I mean, Derek Barnett, a former first-round pick who's still just 27 years old, is your fifth edge rusher. So, I mean, that that right there speaks to the uh, just the amount of weapons, and they can throw a tidal wave of pass rushers at you. Uh, I, I just don't know how they're going to get everybody on the field. I mean, there's going to be some talent, unfortunately, John, that is going to have to be inactive as they sort of figure out how the rotation is going to be in the early going. Here's the only way they get 70 sacks. If the offense is as good as we think it can be. If if they're continually up twenty eight to seven, yeah, you got to be you got to be up in the fourth just quarter. Just pin uh-huh. your ears back and go, yeah. boys! What the hell? We're up by three touchdowns in the second quarter. Yeah. If that's the case, I think the <laughs> offense will be the biggest reason that the defense can get seventy sacks again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good point. You got to be you got to be in a certain situation uh, to pin your ears back to get those kinds of uh, uh, numbers. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that offense, Andrew. Um, they look good. The first team looks good. Um, but we kind of talked about Cam Jurgens. I don't know if you were listening in the green room. <clears throat> it's kind of weird to me. Like every time it's brought up, Nick Sirianni kind of begs off. Well, you know, it's not it's not over the competition. I don't want to dismiss the other guys. Well, I'm at every practice. I've seen every first team rep. I've yet to see anybody other than Cam Jurgens get a first team rep. Where's this competition? Why are the Eagles so hesitant uh, to name Cam Jurgens the starter? And you don't even have to name him the starter because technically they don't name starters. They, they don't name N'Kobe Dean a starter. But you know he's the starter. Why, why did they seem to bend over backwards with Cam and say, oh, it's a competition? I would, I would say probably to guard against complacency to make sure that every day he's working on some aspect of his game and he's bringing, you know, giving a hundred percent and kind of on edge, you know, always knowing that the job could, they could, you know, say, Hey, Tyler, we're going to go with you today. So I, I think when you go into camp, knowing that you're the starter, you sort of it alleviates some pressure and you maybe aren't as hungry as you maybe would be if you know that every day you're vying for uh, that top spot on the depth chart. If, uh, and I asked John this, and what, love to get your take too. Assuming Jurgens wins the job, if he hasn't already won it. Um, but then week six or seven, Kelsey's going to miss a game, or he's going to miss most of a game. He'll go in and take the first snap so he keeps his consecutive game streak in, in play, but he can't really play. Um, Brett Todd going to be the backup center? Do you think they mm. move Jurgens back over? and throw Steen into the deep end of the pool when he couldn't win the competition against a center for the right guard position. How do you think they juggle the line if there's an injury to Kelsey? Well, John can speak to this. I certainly don't think it'll be Brett Toth as the backup center, Jody. I think that in that instance, you would probably see Cam Jurgen slide into center. And then depending on how long Kelsey would be out, I think it would behoove the Eagles to put, plug in a guy like Jack Driscoll at right guard in the interim because he's played it before, and instead of having to, you know, rely upon a, a rookie to be able to help, you know, a, an offensive line, because you know all it takes is one piece for it not to work. And I think that Jack Driscoll's proven that he can be a guy that can steadily, steadily step in there, provide a, you know some competent snaps. But I, I don't know that I would put Steed in Steed in there in that instance. 
Yeah, I mean, if Kelsey were out for a significant period of time, it's 100% Cam Jurgens. I mean, 100, 110%. We can make up numbers. Uh, that's how confident I would be. Now, if it's one game, then you start to say, well, maybe you can persevere with Toth and uh, you don't want to move Cam because he's learning the position. Um, then I could see a, a bigger discussion. Ultimately, I still think they would lean towards moving Cam. And and even though Jeff Stoutland doesn't like to affect multiple positions, he's just so much better at center than Brett Toth, who's doing, you know, he's learning. He's not a natural center. I think he's going to make the football team. But, yeah, long-term, no question, Cam Jurgens. Short-term, you may not might not want to affect two different positions, but – um, that would be a, a, a more interesting discussion. Um, offensive line as a whole, I'll go there, Andrew. Depth is not what it once was. Um, Jack's solid. Dennis Kelly still can play a little bit, even though he's aging. We mentioned Brett Toth. That kind of falls off a little bit. Um, we kind of always say, well, Jeff will find somebody. Jeff will find, he'll develop somebody. Any concern over the depth if injuries start uh, piling up? More so before they got Dennis Kelly. But then again, Dennis Kelly is someone who's been a journeyman. He's, he is aging, as you said, and he does have a litany of injuries in his past. So re- relying on him may not be the soundest plan of attack. That being said, I mean, I know they really like Brett, Brett Toth. Um there's not a lot there beyond that. Jack Driscoll is a steady guy, but not somebody that you really want to rely upon for a full slate of games. And so Opetis primarily, he's just a guard. Uh, so, I mean, you're really limited. I think that there's a guy who's undrafted named Trevor Reed, who's really interesting from Louisville, but he's more of a, of a practice squad project for Stoutland, I would say. Yeah. You know, he's got to get stronger. He's just he's, not. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's he's, an he's light. Yeah. He's light yeah. and he's six, four and he played tackle at Louisville. So I think he will probably be a guard at the pro level, but I think that he has some interesting traits that I think Stoutland could develop. But as of right now, there isn't anybody that you could really say further down the depth chart this year that, uh, that would constitute as, you know, formidable depth. Yeah. John's mentioned Trevor Reed a couple of times, the guy he thinks that Stoutland would like to work with. There isn't somebody who's going to pick him up. If the Eagles don't keep him on the 53, you don't think that that's the case, John. You think they'll get uh, ticked off because somebody else picks them off? Well, they, they try did. and get them through. That happened. That happened to Toth, and they were not happy. They thought they could get Brett through. But wait, for people that forget, uh, you know, he was the first uh, player um, who sort of got that uh, uh, army deferment, uh, military deferment type thing, and and they changed the rule, and he was able to come back. Brett had lost all this weight because he was going on with his life. He was down to like 240 pounds, 250 pounds um, as a tackle. And the Eagles were like, all right, now we can sign him. We can get him going in the right direction. They're saying, but he's got to get the weight room. He's got to put the weight back on. He's got to get back to what he was as a player. And they were like, nobody's going to pick him up off waivers. And the Cardinals picked him up off waivers. And they were like, you never know. But yeah, if the didn't, didn't they are, lose didn't they lose Coyote Awashika also last year? Yeah, but Coyote was 
you know, they were so deep. I mean, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't. I, I don't think they were mad. They were, I, I, I don't want to use the word mad. They were, they were surprised. surprised. They were surprised that someone claimed uh, Toth because they wanted, they really wanted to work with them. And you never know. It, it only takes one team and you never know what they're thinking. But I, I would say odds, yeah, they'll get Trevor Reed on the practice squad. Yeah, no question. Which will lend us uh, to a lot of fun watching the 53-man roster. I know we're weeks away. From, I know we got to go through the joint practices and the preseason games, which, yeah, that's will basically will come down to a scrum for who's going to make those last couple of roster spots. How many offensive linemen do you think they're going to keep, Andrew? Nine. I think they'll probably keep nine. I know one year they kept eight, which is extremely light for the Eagles. But as I see it, as I was sort of navigating through that, I, I think nine would be the number I would circle. Uh, all right. Chody's going down roster construction because I think it's way more interesting now since they changed the rules. Uh, and you have the 16-man practice squad. Plus, you can elevate guys. So I'm going to go on the other side of the football. How many linebackers are they keeping? They don't have to keep linebackers. They, they get them all on the practice squad, elevate them when they need them <laughs> yeah. during the week. How many nah. linebackers? Because if you keep less linebackers, that means you can keep an extra uh, an extra deep. They could go 11 deep on the deep. I, I talked about how depth, how much depth they have. Oh, yeah. They might lose defensive linemen if they, um, if they put them on waivers. They're not going to lose linebackers if they exactly. put these guys on waivers. Yeah, when you're looking at someone like a Kyron Johnson or a Patrick Johnson or, or somebody like that, you don't want to risk losing them. And I think you can only really justify keeping three right now, John, three linebackers, maybe four if you want to go Sean. And by Bradley. the way, we're talking we have to we're talking about off ball linebackers, because I have to clarify that because Andrew said Patrick Johnson. Kyron no, I mean Johnson. like I mean you could keep No, those they're guys they're on. edge rushers. They're edge rushers. Yeah. I'm you talking keep, all ball linebackers. Yeah, I would always I would always keep probably three, maybe four. But then you would be able to afford, which is what I was going to, you'd be able to keep a guy like maybe a Kyron Johnson or a Patrick Johnson by going lighter elsewhere, who I do think have a little bit more upside, considerably more upside than someone maybe like a Sean Bradley or a Davion Taylor at this point. Right. I asked John this earlier. Um, everyone has taken notice of the contract that Nick Morrow signed, and it just kind of stands there like it jumps out like a sore thumb. Zero guarantee dollars which gives them uber flexibility with how they handle them. Um, let's say that Christian Ellis legitimately beats him out. Would they keep Morrow around as a backup linebacker? Or would they say, well, he is what he is. We know what he is, and he's not going to be a starter. So why would we keep him around just as a safety net? Would they keep a Bradley? Would they keep a Davion Taylor instead? Uh, it's the old story of if you aren't starting, you're departing. Could Morrow be on this team as a backup linebacker? Yeah, Joe, that's interesting. Morrow to me seems like starter or bust, right? I mean, like when that signing happened to me, I didn't, I didn't ever see a scenario where he would be the third linebacker or a special team stalwart or anything like that. So I think if he doesn't win the job, I think kind of like what we saw with Eric Wilson, although Eric Wilson lasted a little bit longer, I think Morrow would be on his way out. But then you would almost certainly have to go outside the, the organization and add a player at the position because, I mean, <laughs> Christian Ellis and Kobe Dean are vastly unproven. I think Christian Ellis – Oh, he played 22 defensive snaps in his career, Nicobe 34, and then beyond that, Sean Bradley's nothing more than a special teamer at this point. 
Yeah, and it's going to be interesting on Thursday because Christian Ellis took over uh, for Nicholas Morrow with the first team. We'll see if that was just sort of uh, a back and forth or if they're going to continue in that direction because if they are, then I'm going to have to say goodbye to Nicholas Morrow. I got to, you know, he's a nice guy, but uh, I think you're right. Um, But now that we're going down that route, Andrew, Big nickel, big nickel. Sean Desai unveiled it um, yesterday. Uh, Kayvon Wallace playing linebacker. Terrell Edmonds playing linebacker. Sidney Brown playing linebacker on the second team at times. Three safeties on the field at once. Is that their answer for the fact that they don't have the second all-ball linebacker? It's interesting, but it's a risky proposition, you know, and what's kind of funny is that Sidney Brown and Reed Blankenship and Kayvon Wallace aren't that much smaller than their linebacker than their two no, starting linebackers no. right now. Well, well, Nicholas played safety in college, so he's yeah, a converted yep. safety. Um, um, but I, I, I think that that could be their they, they might be trying it out right now to see if that's a viable option. But I really do think that you have to have two guys you can count on, at least at the position, two playable guys at the linebacker spot in order to be a functional defense. I think that playing big nickel sort of puts a Band-Aid on, on a wound, but I don't know if that can be something that you rely on too heavily. Andrew, you rightfully mentioned the uh, very few, very limited snaps that the two Eagle potential starting linebackers have had in the NFL, 30-some-odd, 20-some-odd for uh, Ellis and for Dean, if those are the two guys who are your starters come week one. Let me give me another position where they could be counting on a guy who's done almost nothing in the National Football League at that position, and that's Zach Mack in the slot. Mm. He's been an outside corner both of his years in the NFL. I think I read today he's had all of two snaps in two years <laughs> at the inside position, uh, and we know if Maddox is healthy and fine, he's going to be there, and Zach Mack gets to stand on the sidelines and be a specials team uh, star again. But we also know that Maddox goes down often with injuries. Any reservation about Zach Mack? They made the call before the season ever started. They're going to move him inside. I heard that he's looked good in practice, but that is an inexperienced guy who you could be having out there having to take all the snaps at that position. You got any concerns about uh, Zach, McF- Zach McPherson, Zach, Zach, uh, playing the slot backing up uh, Maddox this year for the Birds? Well, I've always been higher on Zach McPherson than most coming out of Texas Tech. I always viewed him primarily as a slot defender, so I thought he was largely miscast playing the outside here in Philadelphia. Obviously, he didn't have a lot of opportunity to play on the outside, given the health of Steve Nelson, Darius Slay, and James Bradbury. But I I will also say that I think his short area quickness, his toughness, and his football intellect really translate favorably to the slot position, and I'm interested to see what he's able to do in the preseason playing that role because – I think that he does have some traits and um, I think that, you know, playing special teams has showed you that he has uh, that he's really astute and he's physical. And I kind of want to see if that translates into a more prominent role defensively, because I think he's certainly going to have the opportunity. Um, Yeah. I think Zach is, is, is pretty much uh, locked in, in the slot. Now they've made that move and I'm with you. I've been talking about it for years. Uh, That's his more natural position. Um, and the reason they feel comfortable doing it now is because they got a lot of darts at outside corner 
uh, behind uh, Slay and Bradbury. Starts with Calais Ringo. Um, Reedy Williams is here. Josh Job now in his second season. Uh, Eli Rakes, everybody knows from his five-star recruit days mm-hmm. in Alabama. Well, you're a draft guy, Andrew. Sure. The best of them all. And it's only four practices. But the best of them all has been Makai Gardner. Um, wow. He's big. He's physical. Uh, he gets his hands on people at the line of scrimmage. He had the first woo hits um, at training camp with the pads on. He just lit up poor Charleston Rambo. They share the number 43. It was 43 on 43 crime. Mm-hmm. Um, he has looked tremendous. And people say, well, he's undrafted, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't mean much. Well, they were saying the same thing about Reed Blankenship, and now Reed's yep. entrenched. Yep. Uh, entrenched as a starting safety on this team. Um, what do you know? What did you think about Makai Gardner? Well, you know what's interesting, John, is that uh, when I was speaking to our friend Mike Gill at 97.3, when the undrafted free agents were being signed, everyone was making uh, you know a, a, lot, a lot about the signing of Eli Ricks given his pedigree and everything like that. But I said, keep an eye on Makai Gardner. He's actually a, a more viable roster candidate than Ricks. And I think that he could be a safety at the pro level. That being said, I love his versatility. I like his physicality. He's a smart player. He started out his career at Louisiana Lafayette. And I just, I just really like the way that he approaches the game. He, he's like a physical, uh, bigger, more physical uh, Josh Job. Josh Job was a tenacious player at Alabama, but I think that he embodies those traits but he's, he has a, a bigger skill set and that he can also have uh, provide positional versatility. I do think that he is going to be a factor, you know, when they sort of crunch down those final numbers to make the team, to, to, to configure their final roster. All right. Uh, this week, the Eagles unveiled and made available their Kelly Green jerseys. Will anyone, and they're already out. It, wait, what time is it? We made it a minute 43. Uh, Two days in, and they've already sold out the Kelly Green jersey. Shame on the Eagles and the manufacturing company, whatever. They didn't project the interest from Eagle Nation. Um, When they get uh, delivery number two, and they have uh, jerseys ready to go, and maybe they've got a couple of these left and nobody wants to take them, is anybody grabbing number 10 for Aaron Sipos? Uh, is is that going to be a high demand jersey, Kelly Green number ten for Aaron Sipos this year? John hasn't uh, given us any punter breakdowns in a couple of days, so uh, is is there even a competition? Is this another one? Well, Sirianni will say, "Oh, it's a competition," when it's not really a competition. Is there going to be a punter competition uh, this summer? Well, I, I think there will be, but you're always going to defer to the veteran who's done it before, I think. I think Ty Zetner brings this – he brings a, a shine being, you know, an undrafted rookie. You always want – sometimes that shiny new toy is what everyone wants in there. But it comes down to, as John knows, not just the power, the leg power, but also putting the ball where it needs to be situationally and things like that. And I think you won't really know what you have in Zetner until the preseason games. You know what Sipos is going to do, unfortunately, on the, you know, on the game's biggest stage. He, he folded a little bit there, but I think, you know, the body of work, you know, by and large, I think you feel, if you're the Eagles, you'll probably feel more comfortable with Aaron Sipos back there as your punter. 
Yeah. If Aaron Cepas loses the job to Ty Zetner, I'll wear one of those Kelly Green jerseys. <laughs> there you have it, John. And and, and John's certainly not going to yeah. be wearing. Well, one of those Joe jerseys. Krause has got to give it to me, but I, I I'm I'm not buying one of those nonsense things. But um, and that's any jersey. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a jersey guy. Um, but yeah, Aaron Cepas is destroying Ty Zetner. Uh, and you now, know what? Going into camp, everyone had Ty Zetner penciled in without seeing him, you know, punt yeah, the ball at the right. <laughs> And 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 by the way, you know, for people that don't know, Aaron Aaron Cepas got on the Eagles radar because he was dueling with Jack Box in Detroit uh in a training camp. It was Jack Box, a Pro Bowl punter, really yeah. good. Uh, and he was holding up well against him. So he's always been a good camp guy. He's got a big leg, he's got so it, the issue with him is obviously doing it on game day in a more consistent basis. And he might not be the punter. They might get somebody from somewhere else that I don't know of. Matt Ariza might come in. They might say, well, all right, we're, we're going to go that direction. Uh, but it ain't going to be Ty Zetner beating out Aaron Cepas. I mean, they're different species as punters from what I can see to this point. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't see it. I never really saw it. I thought that they were going to give him an opportunity, but I never just saw it as a viable a viable replacement for a veteran like Sipos. All right, uh, last one for me. And I know I'm going down a road that I probably shouldn't hear, but uh, I'll do it anyway. Uh, whether it's guys on the stream here on our Birds 365 show or my WIP phones or John's favorite social media X. Hmm or Twitter, <laughs> or whatever the hell you want these days. People are already building up disdain for the Dallas Cowboys because Jerry Jones is running his mouth. And Jerry can open up mouth and insert foot with the best of them. He's already done that. Uh, pitting uh, Michael Parsons against his uh, holdout offensive lineman, Martin, who needs to get into camp ASAP, or saying that, did, did you either two guys catch us? Jerry actually said this week when asked about putting Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor down <laughs> there in Dallas, we've got other coaches to consider. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Campo and Jimmy Johnson. They, they Switzer in there. Rated at birth <laughs> with their accomplishments. Switzer yeah. won the Super Bowl, you know. <laughs> he, he, he won because he couldn't screw the, – the team that Jimmy put together was so good that even Barry Switzer couldn't screw it up. Dave uh, Campo, no, that's a name. <laughs> all right, yeah, uh, sorry about that uh, for the Cowboy reference. But yesterday he said the Dallas Cowboys are better. He didn't say they're better than the Eagles. He said the Eagles, the Giants, and the Commanders better watch out because the Dallas Cowboys are better. I don't know if they are or aren't. Not with Zach Martin out of the lineup. I'll say I'll mm -hmm. definitely say they're not as good. I know they improved at a couple of positions of need, cornerback, wide receiver, but they went backwards at tight end. I think they're going to miss Zeke Elliott. Uh, any chance to get on Jerry Johnson's case, our stream, social media, WIP phones, people just wait, wait to chop at the bit to take a shot at Jerry. And, oh, by the way, Jerry took a shot at himself, idiot. Um, are the Cowboys better than they were last year, Andrew? Well, you guys know me by now. You know I'm going to call it down the line. Are they improved? Sure. Do I think that they're going to be able to, to get out of their own way enough, long enough to you know, see it through? Highly doubtful. You know, I, I just don't think that there's the, the leadership that the Eagles have and the structure in place for them to really be able to see this thing through. 
And I ultimately think they're going to start out strong and they're going to be the, the darlings of the NFL for a while. But I think that when this, as the season progresses and we get towards the winter months, you're going to start to see the house of cards start to fall down a little bit. And, and they're going to kind of be, do what they've always done in the December, January, as of late. And, and I think that they're going to be a non-entity. Ooh, non-entity. All right. Eagles fans are going to like you for that one. At Andrew DeCecco. Follow Andrew on X. No longer Twitter. Hmm. Um, I'll leave it uh, with you here. Uh, Quest Watkins, Andrew, uh, called himself elite yesterday. The Eagles hmm. have three elite receivers. They have two. <laughs> Quez, Quez, Quez Watkins, for, an, for a player who deemed himself as elite, still has to stave off Alameda Zacchaeus, which right now he, he's doing so. But, I mean, an elite player is a perennial 1,000-yarder, a guy that de- commands the ball in critical AJ moments. A.J. Brown, that's an elite Yeah, player. that's an elite mm-hmm. receiver. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I love the confidence, and, and, I, and you hope that that parlays into success because I do think that he brings something to the offense that they don't already have which is that deep threatening speed that teams have to account for, but he's got to put it out there on the field. Like, like, you know, he's, he had a rough year last year and it's ultimately about the bounce back. How are you going to do, are you going to be able to, you know, gain the trust back of your quarterback in those moments when he throws the ball to you? By the way, week two NFL this season, Cowboys versus New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers gets the sticker to his boy, Mr. McCarthy, again. He always seems to end up whenever they're playing McCarthy. So the Cowboys won't be spreading. You're a lot of uh, – it's a revenge tour for Aaron Rodgers. He's got, he's got a uh, bunch He's of got them. Mike McCarthy. He's got he's got Sean Payton attacking his best little buddy in the corner. He's got to protect him. <laughs> uh, the big bully protecting the, the hapless nobody. Uh, it showed he's going to have a lot of fun this year. Yeah, motivated fun. Aaron Rodgers. That's what the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets needed, and they got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Week six is Eagles, Jets, and I'll be up there at the Meadowlands. Andrew, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. We're certainly going to get you back on before the season gets underway. Thanks for jumping in this morning. Always. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Andrew. That's Andrew Ducheco from InsideTheBirds.com, the podcast as well. Uh, check out Andrew's work on InsideTheBirds.com. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, coming back. We've still got a couple minutes left to chop it up for you. Uh, John will be off to practice. You think the next two days, right? They're going to go regular uh, yeah, practice they're definitely, two yeah. days running? Two days, back-to-back, first time. First yeah. time this summer. Uh, actually have to work for a living. That's a unique thought for the Philadelphia. It's a grind. I, I don't remember the They're old They're grinding days. it it's out. Still, Give the birds some credit grinding out two it's practices. Still, it, you know, by the way, Quez also said, man, getting the pads on. Quez is like 25 maybe. You know, first time with pads on. He felt it. Uh, and they don't go two-a-days anymore. Did Makai Gardner line him up the same way he did the... the no, Makai's still, you know, it, he's still on, you know, working with the third team mostly. I, I can't believe they're having... He's on the second team as well at times, but, uh, you know, Quez is first team, so he hasn't... Uh, sometimes they do one versus twos, but I haven't seen that matchup yet. No, Nobody's put the, the wood to uh, Quez just yet, but he's he's... Even though he's elite... He's uh, working through some stuff because it was hard to practice with pads on. All right. Uh, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. Come back. Mac and Mac could have put a bow in the show.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Here, last segment of today's Birds 365. Johnny Mack be here early tomorrow before he's got to head on over to camp. Uh, which of the coaches are you getting tomorrow? Is it come back around to, or are you getting specials before you get <clears throat> Sirianni again? Uh, no, Nick is uh, tomorrow, then Michael Clay is Friday. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, the head coach has got to talk more than the coordinator. So, Nick rotates in more. Gotcha. So you get Sirianni early and then uh, specials on Friday. Um, here's a question I'd like to ask Sirianni. And again, uh, you're truly not a practice. You're a practice. You eagle beat guys do a great job. And there are guys that I just flat out trust. If they say something, I believe it. I think it was our boy BLG uh, in his wrap up from yesterday's practice said, Eagles running back protection unit. Not good. That as a group, they're not good. It's not like, you know, uh, Swift looks great catching ball out of the backfield, but he's not great block. Boston Scott, Swift, Penny, and Kenny Gainwell, none of which did a great job when called on to stay in and protect their quarterback necessarily was able to keep that defensive line from, from getting where they needed to get to. That going to be a problem with the Eagles this year? I know they don't ask them much, and they've got a great quarterback who you just say, listen, we're putting our five up front. If they bring a blitz, we'll try and check into it and get a, uh, a back to pick it up. 
Goddard can actually do that chip and coming off the line and still make him plays. But this is not a good group of uh, picking up the block run back, running back room. Will that be an issue this year, Johnny Mike? Um, maybe a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of good pass protecting running backs. So that's another sort Lost of trait. Arts that has uh, become sort of endangered um, <laughs> over the years. Um, there really aren't. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott was really good at it. As Mike Gill pointed out, not even in the league anymore. You know, back in the day, uh, Emmett Smith was great at it. Uh, um, those guys don't exist anymore. Um, not for the most part. Uh yeah, I, I, I can't worry about it. But it was interesting because they were doing one-on-ones on all three fields, so it was really difficult. They were doing receivers and defensive backs closest to Patterson Avenue. They were doing linebackers and running backs, um, you know, one-on-one protection drills. And they were doing offensive line, defensive line. So I was toggling back and forth between the interesting ones, the offensive line, the receivers. And I didn't get much time to look at the backs but yeah i yeah they're not good yeah. um i'm pretty sure it's blg who uh, specifically said yeah they're taking offers over there on that portion of the field but you're right it's just not a necessity and there are some quarterbacks you better make it a necessity drop yeah. back eight steps stay in the pocket fire the football Eagles don't have that. They've got Jalen Hurts who can create and get out and avoid yeah. and die. At least so. you, you you can manipulate the pocket. You could do some things to mask that. But there aren't a lot. There aren't a lot of great. I'd have to think about who the best ones are, because there aren't a lot of great uh, pass protecting running backs. They're not asked to do it at college, and then it becomes every once in a while. You know, like Dallas Goddard wasn't asked to block in college, and all of a sudden he shows up in the NFL and he's like. Where did this come from? You know, this guy is tenacious and he's got, so there's certain guys that are good at it, but not, not here, (laughs) not here in Philadelphia. So it'll be something that we can watch all year long. All right, Johnny Mac, I'm going to talk to you in the morning. Then you got to run over and uh, hear from the coach, Nick Sirianni, uh, but we'll uh, get it done again. Manana, you back with me tomorrow in the morning? Yeah, 579 tomorrow. I think I got the number right. Today five. was 578. Yes, so that tomorrow will be show 579. Uh, so we're making our way. I think we hit 600 before the season gets underway. I think it's right like two days before the Eagles play their first game will be show number 600. Um, part of good show today. Uh, we'll get this done again tomorrow. Thanks to everybody who streamed in on Birds 365. If you're going out the door, do your boys a favor, hit the like button, give us a little love uh, so we can get some uh, pop out of our algorithm, whatever the hell that means. Uh, McMullen and McDonald will both be back here tomorrow in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.